God's love for you and God's love for me is unmerited. It's not something we deserve. It's not something we can earn. But God chose to love us, and He loves us unconditionally, and He demonstrated that love on a cross. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of online worship with us here at PCBC. We're continuing to get ready for returning back to our new normal on October the 4th. There's all kinds of construction going on throughout the entire building, all kinds of remodeling going on. A new secure preschool will be in place. The children's building will be finalized, and we have new safe distance adult Sunday school classrooms for our ABF. So we're excited about that day. But until then, we continue to meet outside on Saturday nights for Lawn Chair Church and then, of course, our online worship on Sunday mornings. But this morning, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and jump back in. We're encouraging you to read through the book of Luke, one chapter a day throughout this month. So take your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 6 today. As we look into the gospel of Luke, we're learning 360 love. That's the title of this whole sermon series, learning how to love like Jesus loved. He loved in 360 degrees. Everyone around him, everywhere he went, everywhere they were, he was. Uh, he was loving them with agape love. We have experienced that love in our hearts, but sometimes we don't demonstrate that love in the life we live. And so we're looking into Jesus' model, his example, not just what he preached, but what he lived out, the message, every single day before the disciples' eyes. Now, I have good news and bad news for you this morning. The good news is God is a God of grace. That's good news. Grace means that God gives us what we don't deserve. God's love for you and God's love for me is unmerited. It's not something we deserve. It's not something we can earn. But God chose to love us. He loves us unconditionally. And he demonstrated that love on a cross. Way before we could ever fix it up, he fixed it on the cross. He loves you unconditionally. That is the gospel. The gospel means good news. What's that good news? God is a God of grace. So what could possibly be the bad news? Well, the bad news is God is a God of grace. And that God of grace lives in your heart if you know him. If you don't know him, I pray that today you would call on his grace, that you'd receive that gift in your very own life. But for those of us who've trusted Christ and know that gift, know the love of God and the grace of God, uh, that means that the grace of God now shines from our life. And that grace is what we are to live out every single day. But like Jonah, we love receiving the grace from God, but we have a hard time giving that grace to others in our world. Well, Jesus is going to teach us what grace living looks like. So we're in Luke chapter 6. Go, go to verse 27. We're going to see a, a discussion uh, a dialogue between Jesus and some more Pharisees. Pharisees, again, you know, were the religious of the religious. They were the professional, uh, the denomination of the day, if you will. And they were looking to the law for their salvation. They were practicing the law, thinking that as long as we're good and we do what the law says, then we're righteous with God. Well, Jesus is going to address that issue. He's going to challenge them on what you are and what you look to for salvation. Verse 27. What does grace living look like? 
Jesus now transitions in this conversation and says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Now this dialogue, he'd been talking to those who were religious but non-believing. Those who were looking to the law to justify him before God rather than looking to the one who justifies us with God. As they were arguing about all of these different nuances and ways of being righteous under the law, Jesus now turns his attention away from the unbelieving to those who would believe, to those who would hear what he had to say. Jesus said, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Can you imagine what they were hearing? All this time they've known from the law that you're to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. But there was always that out clause for your enemy. They had heard it said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. Hate the pagan nations. They had grown up with that understanding. But Jesus now brings this radical truth of grace living. That as we receive grace, those who hear, uh, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God, we're saved by grace through faith. That that grace that we receive into our lives is also a grace that we extend from our life even all the way to our enemies. Most of us believe that we've done enough if we simply leave our enemies alone, that that is the Christian response. At least I don't hate them. At least I'm not uh, responding evil for evil. And we think that just leaving them alone is the Christian response. Jesus says, no, you're actually to go beyond that. You're to love your enemy. Now, this is not what some try to do Matter of fact, what we're about to read through, what Jesus demonstrates and teaches about grace living, is not something you can do. It's not a WWJD response. What would Jesus do and then I need to do that? There are a lot of Christians trying to live a Christian faith based on what Jesus did versus letting Jesus who lives in us do that same loving and that same living. It is a reality that we have to understand we can't do this. What Jesus is speaking about is not natural and not something you naturally can do. It's something that supernaturally happens through the Christ life. It's a realization that it's Christ alive in me. And when he's alive in me, he lives out of me in the way I love other people, including my enemies. Now, as we go through this list that Jesus is now going to preach about this grace living, it isn't conditions on how to be saved. What he's sharing is what a life looks like that has been saved. Let's take a look today. Luke 6 now, go to verse 28. He says, so bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I bet you've done a lot of that this week, right? Looking over the past week, I'm sure you were blessing people, especially those that were cutting you off in traffic or those that were not cooperating or those who have attacked you or betrayed you or let you down. I bet we've demonstrated a lot of that blessing this week, right? Because that's such a natural response. He goes on to say, And whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give it to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Jesus now, turning his attention to the disciples and those who had an ear to hear, he says, let me teach you about the new life I'm going to give you. Let me teach you what it looks like to be filled with a new life and a grace God. That grace not only is to be received, that grace is to be released 
into this world all the way to even your enemies. Now, he notices or lists off a progression of different levels of enemies. The first speaks of attitude, those who hate you. Then he moves into the reality of those who curse you. That's not just attitude, that's what they do with their words. And then uh, those who mistreat you, speaking of actions. So attitudes, conversations or words, and then even their actions, whatever level that that person opposes you, your enemy, at any level, the most basic to the most uh, difficult, we are to be grace givers and love even our enemies. With a bad attitude, when they have the bad attitude, he says, do good. If it's a bad word that's coming from them, they're speaking harsh or mean, we're to respond by blessing them. And then you'll notice here, if it's bad actions, if they are being violent towards you, if they're, 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 they're doing something that would dishonor your relationship, you are to pray for them. Do good, bless them, pray for them. In other words, don't live like natural people. Don't live like you used to live. But now be grace givers, even when that person doesn't deserve it. So he uses the extreme when he brings up our enemy. What kind of grace living are you experiencing right now in your journey? And that shows up in relationships. The people you love the most, the people who you have a hard time even looking at, those you would consider your enemies. Verse 31, he goes on to say, So treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that for you? For even sinners, even sinners love those who love them. That's natural. That's natural love. That's not what love looks like when I'm living in your life. It shows up in a spirit of grace. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. Now, this may not make a lot of sense in your context or our context, but in the days of Jesus, this was practical ways of living. Uh, there were times that people were very poor. They didn't have enough to buy uh, the necessary materials for their crops or to live on, and so they would have to borrow uh, until they could produce their crops and pay off uh, that loan, if you will. It was very common practice. We talked about it in last week's sermon on the issue of Jubilee. There were some who would get into debt over their heads and couldn't pay it back. And then they would be indentured slaves, if you will, to pay off that debt. Jesus says, you should live differently. If somebody's in need, meet that need. Be gracious. Don't live naturally. Live above the natural realm in a supernatural response to life. He goes on in verse 35 and says, but love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now take in all that scripture and listen to Jesus preach that truth and talk about a different life from what you see in this world. And ask yourself, which one speaks to my testimony and my example? Have I experienced and received God's grace and yet live naturally in the way I treat other people, including all the way to my enemies? 
Or am I allowing the Spirit of God to so fill me and so change me that it's Christ who lives through me that allows me to go beyond the natural? Verse 36, he points out that we're to be merciful as our Father's merciful. He says, listen, I'm not going to call you to do anything that you don't want from me. What you've received from the Father is the same thing you should give out from your life as well. Now, when he says be merciful, uh, merciful is that first response. Mercy, if you want to write this down, mercy is withholding something that someone deserves. In other words, they deserve to be punished. They deserve to pay you back. Uh, They deserve something, perhaps some form of judgment or uh, a harsh consequence. They deserve it. They have earned it in some way by whether they've betrayed you or something that's unforgivable, something that you can't imagine, something that's been hurtful. And they deserve your wrath. They deserve a wrathful response. Well, mercy is not giving them what they deserve. Aren't you glad God is a merciful God and that God has been merciful with you? I know that that's true for me. I know what I deserve, and yet God in his love and his grace also is merciful. He has withheld the judgment on my sin because my sin was judged on the cross through Jesus. And yours as well if you know Jesus as Savior. The first mile is a merciful response. The second mile is a gracious response. So as we look through this list, we'll see Jesus addressing a few things not to do, but mainly he's speaking of what we are to do. How we live out a life that is known for grace. Now as we look through this passage, there are three things I want you to see. First thing I want you to see is the struggle. I think we all see it from the very beginning. As I've been reading these verses, I bet, I bet already inside you're like, oh, ow, whoa, how? How can I love my enemy? Who can do this? Who can fulfill this list? Well, we need to understand that we have no problem giving them what they do deserve. We have a hard time giving them what they don't deserve. We have a hard time being gracious and merciful, but certainly gracious. Now, we don't have a problem giving them things. We want to give them a piece of our mind. We want to give them a quick or sharp response. We want to give them grief. We want to give them a hard time. Those are natural responses, obviously. How did Jesus respond to you and me? He says when we were sinners... He demonstrated the love for us. While we were enemies to a holy God, our holy God loved us all the way to a cross. And that God who gave us his mercy and his grace is the same God who wants to live in our hearts through faith. And as he comes to live in us, he desires to live those very same things from our surrendered lives. For us to also be merciful and gracious. But that's hard. That's not something we can naturally do. I'll give you an illustration. I've given you this one before, but you remember the days when we used to be able to go to packed out restaurants and you would show up and the whole place would be filled and you'd have to wait in line and wait for a table to get cleared off and then you'd be seated and it might take 30 minutes to an hour to get a seat. And then as you were seated, uh, perhaps you had a very negative experience. Perhaps your waiter or your waitress was occupied with other tables or didn't pay any attention to your table. What starts to happen inside of you when you don't get what you think you deserve? Well, you start to 
to get bitter. You start to get angry, disappointed. And in that disappointment, instead of being gracious or merciful, we have a tendency to be very natural in our responses. And it's not a pretty picture. At the end of the meal, if they finally get to the end of the meal, and perhaps the meal was cold, perhaps it took forever to get it, perhaps the wrong order came out, all of these negative experiences happen, and now you receive the check. And there on the bottom line is the total, and then the blank line, tip. Well, if you've had a bad experience, what's your response on the tip line? The natural response is no tip, or to leave some kind of cranky message. But a gracious response is one who tips even when they don't deserve it. I don't know about you, but I find myself responding more naturally, struggling. Now, I love to receive the love of God, the grace of God and His mercy. I'm changed because of those things. And yet it's so easy for me to receive it, but I struggle with giving it to others, especially those who I'm in opposition with. What about you? Is that a struggle? Sure, it's a struggle. So let's go back and let's look at the standard. Let's just don't settle for a natural way of loving people, but that we learn how to love 360. Everyone, everywhere, including our enemies. So look at the first thing. The first part of the standard, Jesus said, for those who hear, for those who know me, for those who will be my followers, you live differently. Bless those who curse you. That would be your enemy. He said, instead of responding, instead of giving back what you've received from them, you're to live above that. Supernaturally, you are not to curse them. Yeah, and that's not just even speaking of a cuss word. It's speaking of evil, wishing evil on them, projecting evil onto them. Instead, bless them. When they're being evil towards you, don't get caught up in that ditch. Don't go dark in your soul or your response. Instead, let the light of God's grace shine from you. And that happens when you return a blessing even when they choose not to bless you. Often Jesus had to say, you've heard it said, but I tell you. In this context, he said in Matthew's version of this very same account, he said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, bless those who curse you. Love your enemy. In other words, there is a totally radical different response. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Romans. Hold your place there. We'll be back to Luke. But go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 14. Many would say, I know that I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but that doesn't mean my enemy. I mean, by definition, they're my enemy. They're my opposition. We're supposed to war against the enemy. Now, Jesus said, no, you're supposed to love all people in all directions. That's 360 love. Romans chapter 12, Paul preaches the same truth. He says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Verse 18, drop down to verse 18. He says, and if it possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Even though they're in opposition to you, they don't want peace with you. They're warring against you. That doesn't give us the right to be at war with them. Paul said, no, you should pursue everything you can to be at peace with your enemies. Never taking your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The natural response, return evil for evil, a curse for a curse. The supernatural response, the grace God in you, living through you, gives grace even when they don't deserve it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I'll put it on the screen for you. It says that we're not to return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead giving a blessing for you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. I look here at what Peter's teaching and boy, Peter was one of the, one of the ones that when he was spending, spending the first few years in Jesus training and discipleship, boy, he was easy to cut off the ear of the servant. He was easy to respond flesh for flesh insult for insult and now filled with the spirit of god a mature follower of christ he now teaches others no we live differently we're grace people and we live being a blessing even to our enemies so number one the standard bless others all the way to your enemies number two pray for them even praying for them luke chapter 6 let's go back there to verse 28 Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now be careful. Sometimes we can think we're praying for somebody, but we're praying that they break a leg. We're praying that they have uh, all kinds of devastation, that the judgment of God comes down. I don't think that's the kind of praying that Jesus was encouraging them to do. He models for us, a matter of fact, and teaches us how we are to pray for our enemies. As Jesus would be hanging on a cross. There they are beating him to a pulp crucifying him, one of the most brutal forms of capital punishment that mankind has ever known, mocking him, spitting on him, brutally beating him. Jesus prays for them from the cross. What a great, powerful illustration. And then the other part of the standard, we're to bless them, we're to pray for them, and we're to give to them. Go back to Luke 6, 29. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other one also. Uh, the picture here is somebody who would disrespect you in public and would backhand you. It says, in Matthew's version, it says, if they strike you in the right cheek. For a right-handed man to strike you in the right cheek, he would have to backhand you. It was, a, it was a picture of disrespect and dishonor. It was one of the highest forms of attack on your personhood and your reputation. And Jesus says, what are you going to do with that? A natural response is to hit back. A natural response is bitterness or unforgiveness. But here he says, give him another one. Don't, don't respond like for like. If that's where they're going, don't you go there with them. Show them that you're different. Give them grace even when they don't deserve it. Whoever takes away your coat, uh, steals that coat. It's a picture of even somebody who's violating you by stealing from you. Just let them have the outer cloak. Give them your inner cloak as well. In other words, go the extra mile. Serve them, love them, forgive them. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. So as we look at this standard, we're to bless people, we're to pray for those who, who even are mistreating us, and here we're to give to them. We're even to extend our own resources to those who are trying to steal our resources. We're never more like God than when we give. For God so loved you and God so loved me 
He just didn't say, I love you. The Bible says he gave his only begotten son. And when he gave his only begotten son, he just didn't give us a coupon. He just didn't give us a little token of grace. He gave us an extravagant grace, a lavish gift, a gift that we couldn't afford and we didn't deserve. But he gave us everything. He poured out all the riches of heaven in Christ on a cross in place of your sin and mine. There's not been a more expensive or extravagant gift of grace than the cross. For God so loved you, he gave. And that God who gave to you forgiveness, mercy, and grace is the God that lives in you and the God that wants to be grace and mercy even to your enemies. He's going to use you as that inner instrument if you'll let him. Let's go back to Luke 6.31. Let's keep looking at the standard. Here's the next part of the standard. He says, and treat others the same way you want them to treat you. In other words, he says, you are to be proactive, not reactive. You're not supposed to just react and give back naturally the same response, a curse for a curse, hatred for hatred, war for war, but instead you're to be a grace giver, that you're to treat them in the same way you want to be treated. What we see here in the standard is Jesus is saying, it's not enough just to love your neighbor, it's to love 360. It's to love all people at all times, everywhere. We're to love our neighbors and even our enemies. He's also saying that as we take action in all relationships, even in the most difficult of relationships, we are to take action. Treat them. That inspires energy, effort. It's not sitting back and waiting for them to come to us and ask for forgiveness. It's not just ignoring the problem and, and saying, well, at least I'm not giving them an evil response and that's enough. No, he, he doesn't tell you to sit back and act like nothing happened. He asks you to treat them, to, to, to activate your faith through grace and demonstrate that in the way you love them. You don't run from it. You don't bury it. But he says, step into it and treat them the same way I've treated you, but the same way you want to be treated. Here's the next characteristic of the standard. Let's go back to Luke 6, 32. We're also to love them as we saw earlier. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. So we look in on this, we now see as this standard has been delivered, a different way of living. Not just loving our neighbor, but being at war with our enemy. No, loving our neighbor and loving our enemy. That's what grace looks like, giving to others what they don't deserve. To illustrate this principle, we get the parable later on in Luke of the Good Samaritan. Matter of fact, Luke's gospel is the only one that has the Good Samaritan parable in it. And Jesus would later teach what it means to love your enemy. He'd raise up a hero in the story, a hero that would be a shocking hero to the Jewish audience. It would be a Samaritan, somebody they considered a half-breed, somebody who was on the lowest rung of humanity. There's no way God could love the compromisers known as the Samaritans. And yet in this story, it's the good Samaritan that stops on the road and helps out 
someone in distress, someone who's been attacked, somebody who's been beaten and left for dead. And as he steps in and as he gives to this person who he doesn't know, to this person who doesn't deserve his help, he discovers it's his enemy, a Jew. And in that moment, the Good Samaritan models what Jesus preaches in the standard. And he goes the extra mile. And he does for that Jewish victim what that person couldn't afford, what he didn't ask for, and what he didn't deserve. He models grace living. And Jesus holds that up as the standard. And he reminds us that's what kingdom living looks like. Are we known for that kind of living? Or do we find ourselves getting down in the mud and responding evil for evil, naturally loving people versus supernaturally loving people? You can write this note down, know this, when he commands us to do all these things, and especially loving our enemies, he isn't talking about feeling the feelings. He's talking about choosing to act in grace. You see, Christian love is not dependent on another person's behavior. It's unconditional love. So don't justify the bitterness and don't justify the withdrawal and don't justify the war that you're having with the person. No, ask God to step into that and ask God to deliver you from that unforgiveness or from that bitterness. And let God's love shine from you all the way to your enemies. Well, we're not done. The standard is still there. Go back to Luke 6, verse 36. And he says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Now, we talked about what that means by definition. Grace is giving to someone what they don't deserve, but mercy is withholding what they do deserve. The punishment that should be theirs, uh, the price that should be paid for their sin, if you will, or for uh, the evil that they have demonstrated towards you. Mercy withholds rather than giving them that retribution or that response. Mercy and grace, the first mile and the second mile. And Jesus modeled that. You can turn over to John chapter 18, and we see mercy and grace living out together. John 18, verses 22 and 23. And when he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus. There he is being struck, like we've seen him preach about earlier. Now he is living his sermon. He's been struck. And Jesus didn't respond and righteously could have. A holy God being struck by unholy man? Jesus had every right to call down the wrath of Almighty God like fire from heaven, Elijah's fire. He could have called on it, and he could have had everybody in that room consumed. But he didn't call for judgment. He responds graciously by giving mercy. Look at what he says. Is that the way you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered him. If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? Again, as we watch Jesus model, he's been struck unjustly. He's been humiliated. He's the king of kings, and yet he's being judged as if he's some kind of criminal. And almighty God in the flesh took the slap, took the mockery. Instead of giving judgment, he gave mercy. That's grace on display. 
And that leads us to this part of the standard. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. He goes on and talks about forgiving, forgiving them. He said, so do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon, forgive, and you will be pardoned. Given it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Again, we find Jesus modeling grace on the cross. We see a picture later on in Luke's gospel. If you want to turn there, Luke 23, verses 33 through 34. And you remember this part. Jesus being hung out in front of the whole of the world. The Bible says he was beaten to such a, a pulp that he was swollen beyond recognition. And in those moments, the last moments of his life, it says in verse 33, that when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. You look at that scene and you think about that and you wonder, how can Jesus pray for their forgiveness? They don't deserve it. This is the cruelest betrayal ever. A brutal beating. A horrific death. An innocent man dying on a cross. He doesn't spit down on him. He doesn't call for God's angels to come and deliver him from the cross and bring the judgment and righteousness wrath of a holy God, but he prays for them, and he blesses them, and he forgives them. You say, well, that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I can't do that. Well, you know what? That's a true statement, but it's also a false statement. Naturally, that's a true statement. But in Christ, you're not just a natural person. You now are a supernatural person. It was what Paul had to understand. When he was a natural man, Saul of Tarsus, a religious man, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he responded like a natural man. But then when he came to know Christ, he gave this truth. Galatians 2.20 said, it's no longer I who lives. I don't live naturally anymore. I don't live according to my flesh, my natural desires, or my natural responses. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ, a gracious, merciful God, who has forgiven me, who lives in me, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives through me. Yes, you can't do what Jesus did from the cross, but Jesus, the one on the cross who did this, is the one who lives in you. And if Christ lives in your heart, if you've received his grace and his mercy, that holy God lives in you. And like he taught the Apostle Paul, that holy God wants to live through you. So that's where we get Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who lives in me. I can't love my enemies. He can. I can't do that naturally, but God didn't call us to live naturally. He called us to take up our crosses daily and to follow him. Stephen gives an example. You can write down in your notes, Acts chapter 7, 58 through 60. He's the first Christian martyr. Uh, matter of fact, it's Saul of Tarsus who's put the ringleaders together. They're having him stoned to death outside the city. And while they're taking this young man's life for simply preaching the gospel, as every stone is breaking the bones in his body and about to take his last breath, Stephen would declare as he would look to heaven, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
Falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. And he said this, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And he took his last breath. His last words were a blessing. His last words were a prayer for those who didn't know what they were doing. His last words were words of forgiveness. He didn't feel like loving them, but he chose to love them. They were his enemies that were taking his life, but he didn't respond with a weapon. He didn't respond back with fighting against them. He blessed them. He prayed for them, and he loved them even when he didn't feel it. He chose to be obedient with his very last breath. How do you do that? Let's wrap this up very quickly. We've looked at uh, the struggle. We've seen the standard. But very quickly, I don't want to leave you with just the standard and you trying to be a good Christian. We need to see the source. Because if you read in Acts chapter 7, you would see that Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, that's why he was able to love them, because he was full of the Spirit. He wasn't doing it in his own strength. He wasn't doing what Jesus would do and what Jesus said to do. He was letting Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, flow from him. That's the difference. And if you don't know the source, you can't live the standard. So let's take some notes very quickly. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, a religious man who was trying to preach the standard but couldn't live the standard. He said to Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless you are born a second time, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, listen, you cannot respond supernaturally to the standard if all you are is a natural man. You must receive the Spirit of God, my forgiveness, my grace, my mercy, and be born a second time, born a second time, born again. Does that happen for you? Or have you just been going to church? Do you just know about God? Or do you know God in your heart? Here was Nicodemus. He was a teacher of the law. He was a teacher of the Old Testament. He's the one who taught everybody how you supposedly were right with God by what you did in keeping the law, and yet he was an empty man. And Jesus said to him, the standard, forgiveness, doesn't come from what you do. It comes from what I will do for you. And as you receive that as a gift, you are born a second time. And when you're born again, you become a new person, a new creature. And you now have a power source living in you. Not just to give you a ticket to heaven, but a power source that changes and gives you abundant life forevermore. Not only do we need eternal life, but we need abundant life. Romans 5, verse 5. Look at this verse on the screen. It says, And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul's advice and Paul's teaching in Romans 5 was this. The love of God that we didn't deserve. The love of God that showed up in the form of grace on the cross. The love of God that showed up in his mercy by not judging our sin, but releasing us from the debt of our sin. That love has been poured out on us. And it lives within, look at it again, within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to live in you and wants to live in you if you've not received him for a purpose. To allow you to have abundant life 
and eternal life. Paul would give this advice in Galatians 5, 16, as he would talk about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit, as he would talk about that a life according to the flesh is ugly and brutal and disastrous and destructive, but the fruit of the spirit is love and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and the ability even to love our enemies. How do we experience that? How do we live that standard? Listen to his advice, Galatians 5, 16, when he says, so walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. As we look in on this first teaching that Luke points out in Luke chapter 6, one of the first things Jesus does is he shows the difference between a religious life and a disciple of Christ. That it's not in trying to love people, just loving your neighbor, but it's experiencing the love of God and loving differently. Loving with grace and mercy. Not in our own natural abilities, but being filled with the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit and loving 360. Have you ever experienced that kind of love? Have you experienced His love? If that hadn't happened for you, right where you are right now, you could bow your head and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I need your love. I don't deserve it. God, I've tried to earn your love, but I can't earn it. This morning, I receive the gift of eternal life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying for me. I give you all of me. The Bible says, if you would believe that in your heart, God gives you a new life. You are born again. We want to hear about that. Would you email us today? Or would you reach out in the chat box and reach out to our online pastor and say, I trusted Christ today. We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray for you. And we want to send you some materials. But for others, you've already trusted Christ. You've experienced his love and forgiveness, but you've got some enemies. You've got some people that you're not being gracious towards. Or as you look back on this last week, you weren't a grace giver, a grace liver. Instead, you withheld that grace. Instead, you naturally responded. And maybe God's showing you a relationship today that you just need to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to be the Lord of this relationship. My response, God, I can't, but I can do all things through you. Would you make that your prayer this morning? Join me and let's pray right now. Father, every single one of us struggles in loving people. We even struggle loving those who love us at times. And yet, Lord, you showed us that a supernatural life filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is as radical as loving even our enemies. God, what we can't do, you do through us. God, what we won't do, you will, if we'll just let you. So, Lord, I pray that as we saw last week, you would set the captive free. For those who are in bondage to unforgiveness and bitterness, God, set them free right now. God, give them the ability to love that other person unconditionally. God, what they can't do in their flesh, I pray that as they choose to walk by your spirit right now and release that, that, Lord, you would set the captive free. God, this week, as we approach new days, new relationships, whether it's challenges with past relationships or a new relationship that we might have this week, God, in all relationships, 360 degrees, God, may we love like you love us. 
and not doing it for your sake, but allowing you to do it through us. God, thank you that you gave us that power source. Thank you for the new life that's ours through Christ. For we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Be blessed this week and be a blessing to others for that is God's calling on your life. Amen? Amen. Until then, we'll see you next week. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.